Welcome to A Tune in the Line, the podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Lavalette, and I'm the founder of A Tune and A Line, a community for women who attune to the calling of their heart and take action to align their lives accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm so glad you're here. On A Tune in the Line podcast, we showcase the stories of real women who say hell yes to their dreams and do whatever it takes to manifest the outcomes they want to see in their lives. We hope you'll leave today's episode feeling inspired, energized, and excited to take your very own first step on your own journey towards living life on your own terms. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my dear friend, Brielle Friedman of Brielle Friedman Creative. Brielle is a world champion salsa dancer, career coach, and brand strategist based in New York City. After falling in love with salsa in college, Brielle began training in Latin dance at 23 years old and won her first professional salsa competition just five years later. A true believer in the power of leading with your heart, today she coaches entrepreneurs executives, and mid-career professionals, and uses her brand and marketing expertise to help companies clarify their messages, streamline internal processes, and scale their ventures. Well, welcome, Brielle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. I'm really excited to, to chat with you, and I'm honored to be on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really excited. Um, and you know me, we have this beautiful list of questions in front of us and like, I'm already ready to go off script. Like right before we got on the call, I wrote, wrote up this quick post-it note and I was like saying to myself, okay, before you go into the questions, you have to tell the story of Brielle at the airport. And you probably, I don't even know if you know what I'm talking about. I don't think I do. Okay. <laughs> So I met, we met in 2012, and I think it was early June 2012, and I flew down to the Dominican Republic um, to serve as a trip leader for teenagers, and there'll be more about that later in our conversation. And so I come out of the plane ride. It's a million degrees outside. I've got this huge ass backpack. Um, And I'm kind of scared because I said yes to working for this company, this teen travel company for the summer. And, um, you know, just didn't know what what was ahead. So I'm waiting there on the curb and then a cab pops up and Brielle jumps out the back with a big sign. And she's squealing. She's like, oh my God, welcome, Marissa. We're so happy you're here. We're so happy you're here. And I'm like, you know how you are when you come off a flight. I'm like, who is this person? And like, why is she so excited to see me? She doesn't know me. And the reason I tell this story is that's what you need to know about Brielle before we begin this conversation, that she shows up for women. She shows up for clients. She shows up for everyone who's in front of her with her whole heart. And I I was like, oh my God. Well, needless to say, we really hit it off that summer and we're still friends all these years later. So as we go through the conversation today, just keep that image in mind. Like if you were ever lost or confused um, and Brielle comes into your life, she's going to welcome you with open arms and her whole heart. So we will begin from there. I wanted to begin with the airport story. Thank you. That's such a, that's such a beautiful story to start with. I, I really appreciate that. That day feels like it was just yesterday, though. It does. I can't believe that was eight years ago. I can't believe that. That's wild. That's wild. We've, we, we survived a lot that summer, and we've, we've survived a lot since then. Yeah. <laughs> so when I introduced you... Um, Something that stands out is, you know, we really emphasize that you began training in Latin dance at age 23. 
Um, and you know, that might not really sound like a significant data point for anyone who's listening. Um, but I want to start off here and ask you, tell me about discovering your passion later in life. And I'm using like the air quotation marks here. And by later in life, I mean college when we're talking about dance. I think when we're talking about dancers, they're like, oh, I was four and it was in ballet class. Um, and so can you shine some light on that? Can you talk about any of the obstacles, you know, whether they were real or self-imposed that came up when you discovered your passion, you know, relatively later in a field where girls are dancing, you know, as soon as they can walk really. All right, guide me through that. Of course, yeah. Uh, well, one thing I'll say is, you know, I just turned 30 a couple months ago. And now, you know, when I think about being 20, 23, graduating from college, I I realize, oh, I'm so young, right? I mean, I'm still so young. <laughs> we have so many wonderful years ahead of us um, to learn and grow and, and take our careers in, in all these different directions. But at the time, again, like you're saying, especially for dancers, I feel like I have really been fed this narrative growing up that, you know, and every dancer, really every creative person that I met, um, anyone who was artistic, right, like who was painting, drawing, writing, I felt like they had started when they were four or six or 10 and kind of already amassed all of this talent and already amassed all of these accomplishments. And I remember, you know, graduating from college and feeling like, well, that's it, you know, like whatever I've already been able to do, like whatever talent, quote unquote, again, and I'm going to use an air quotes for that too, um, because I think talent is very, very fabricated and a lot of things we, we learn and we don't even realize we're learning them, especially when we're young. Um, but that was a narrative that I had. So when I discovered dance in college and I was on a I was down in Guatemala. I was studying Spanish. I just happened to go out to the salsa club. And it really was love at first sight. I remember watching the dancers come on the dance floor and just thinking in that moment, like, wow, this is, I had started dancing in college a little bit in terms of it was part of a group. We were doing some hip hop and lyrical. And I, I love those styles, but I didn't feel really drawn to that. I wasn't going to be a hip hop dancer or be a ballet dancer. But I saw salsa and I was just really mesmerized with it and, and fell in love. And I distinctly remember thinking, I want to be a professional salsa dancer. And, um, you know, at the time, I, t I tell people now, especially when I'm teaching, if I can learn to dance, you can learn to dance. Because I wasn't good when I started. I really um, didn't know how to move my body at all. And... Um, when I, I started learning, I think that was one of the, the biggest things to overcome too, is that you know, when you start anything, especially when it's perhaps more creative, you're not good at it in the beginning. And Ira Glass has a great YouTube video somewhere in the world, or he's talked about this a lot too, about how you have to go through the process of creating whatever it is you're going to create for a very long time before what you start to create is actually any good. And I feel like we give up, especially as adults, we give up in that early period. And then we just think, oh, we don't have the talent or it's too late for us. And um, that's not true. We just, you know, especially as adults, we're distracted by a lot of things, right? You have to think about responsibilities of like paying rent and putting food on the table. And also, you know, you want to hang out with your friends and grow your career and date and, and all of these things. Right. And so when we're learning anything in the beginning, I, it just, it just takes time. Um, so, yeah. So I think a big thing for me was I felt like if I was going to be a dance and specifically for dance too, people say like, Oh, you know, your dance career peaks when you're 18, when you're 19, 20, 22, you know, your body's going to give up in its 30s, which is definitely not true. Um, I'm definitely in the best, like, physical shape of my life, right? And I've, I've always been pretty active, but my body is much stronger now at age 30 because I've trained it than um, it was when I was 122. So um, that's a little bit about discovering specifically my passion, you know, quote, unquote, later in life. Um, you know, for, for everyone who's listening, um, 
Brielle and I can see each other. We're on a Zoom call right now. And so she's been watching, like she's seen me this whole time. She's been talking. Um, when people talk to me, I, I take notes furiously. And then like I draw big circles around the words that really stand out to me. Um, and I just feel like I just, I mean, Brielle was talking directly to me right now, but everything that she said, like, God, like if you're listening right now, have you ever felt that way? Like you try something new and then if you're not good at it immediately, it's like, oh, screw that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to try that again. Like, why didn't I get it on the first try? Um, Brielle, that totally resonates with me. Like I, I, I always, you know, again, there's this narrative, you use the word narrative a couple times that like, if you're going to undertake something, there's this, there's this weird expectation that like, we're expecting ourselves to be amazing at it on the first try. Um, I think back to some of the first yoga classes I taught, which, which were horrible. I think back to, you know, my sixth grade classroom. I taught some pedagogically awful classes, but we keep showing up and we keep practicing and, and it gets better over time. Um, again, the word narrative came up a lot. So I want to go into this topic of voices. This is a podcast after all, so they're going to hear our voices. Um, You've told me, and and this blows me away every time, and it's mind-boggling, but I've experienced the same thing too. You told me about the voices, like actual people, like human beings who would tell you to your face that your dream was not possible. They were just like, no, like, forget it. It's not going to happen. And regardless of whether they were trying to hurt you or you have that friend who's trying to help you, like, you know really isn't possible. It's not going to happen. So whatever their motivation was, can you share with us, like, what were some of the things that people said to you? And you have this big dream, you know what your dream is. You said you were mesmerized by salsa. How do you keep that passion going? How do you compartmentalize the negativity and move forward anyway? Yeah, that's such a great question. And something that I think we all need to do every day in terms of like whatever dream that you have, whatever you want to pursue, there are always going to be people who, at least this is what I have learned. Like there are always people who show up in my life who say like, that is impossible, or I don't think you can do it that way, or you should do it this other way. And I think a lot of the work that I do for myself every day now is making sure that I'm super aligned with what I believe and what I want so that I can go out into the world and stay really true to myself while these other voices and, and people and and things on the news and stories I read kind of, you know, try to eat away at this at this center. Um, specifically with dance, I think it was very strange experience to again be in my early 20s to be working at a small kind of startup environment with a lot of young people where we were all at the very beginnings of corporate careers. And I was on the side spending hours and all of my money that I really wasn't making, um, <laughs> you know, uh, to invest and pursue this thing that I wasn't actually good at yet. So that was definitely a, a strange thing to, to navigate. I had a lot of people say to me things like, well, dance is such a nice hobby. This is a great hobby that you have. And while there is nothing wrong with hobbies, I think hobbies are super important. For me, dance was never a hobby. It was always, like I said, I knew in that moment in that small salsa club in Guatemala that this is what I wanted. Like I wanted this to be part of my career. I wanted to play a huge role in my life. And so it was never a hobby for me. And every time someone said that to me, it just, it felt so terrible. It felt so condescending. It felt very belittling. It felt like no one understood me. Um, and so those were all things that I, I wrestled with for years. I would say like some of the strongest voices were definitely within my family. Um, my dad has always been super supportive of me and always believed in me as a person. I am very independent and have kind of always made my decisions. And my dad is great at supporting that. He always has been from the time I was a kid. And at the same time, you know, he's a computer programmer and um, no one in my family is a dancer, an artist, a creative. No one even had any idea of what that could look like. And so I didn't really have any idea of what that could look like either, right? Um, and it was definitely challenging for me to hear some of 
his advice, like again, well-intentioned advice, um, and also other people in my family who were kind of advising me and saying, well, you know, marketing is a great career in this way. And if you want to be successful as a marketer, like here's what it could look like. And yeah, you know, like you can keep dancing on the side. And that wasn't what I wanted. And so really getting to this place where I could be honest with myself about, okay, what do I want my dance career to look like? And I kind of had to go out into the world and ask other dancers and ask other creatives, hey, would you just jump on the phone with me for 15 minutes and tell me like, what does your career look like? How did you get to where you are today? What are you thinking about in the future? I think those conversations were really, really helpful. And I would say too, I think when you go into the corporate world, especially again, my experience as a young woman is there wasn't a ton of female leadership at the company I was at. I didn't have access to a bunch of female leadership. I mean, in general, we definitely need more female leaders within corporate America. Um, so again, I felt like a lot of the professional advice I was being given and a lot of the conversations just immediately put down as this other side thing that I had. And um, it was challenging for me to own and really be honest about the fact that that was not what I wanted. Um, And as soon as I started doing that, I started to see the way other people responded to me shift and respond to my dance goals and respond to my dance dreams a little bit differently. And of course, like, you know, the better you get at something, the more other people kind of recognize you. I was competing. So I started to win competitions and that's always something where people can say like, Oh, there you go. Like you've achieved something. Right. So I think the other thing that's really important, regardless of what industry you're in or what you're doing creatively or professionally, every industry is so different and unless you're in the industry, you don't really understand it, right? So it's, it's even when I've been, um, when I've dated people, right, and, you know, they'll come home, they'll try to explain, my sister, she'll explain, like, what's going on in her professional life, and there are all these people and all these different things that are going on, and I have to really focus on, okay, like, here's what's going on, because unless you're immersed in the world, you don't really know. So mm-hmm. um, in that sense, I think it's really important to find what does success look like for you? And what does that, what does prosperity mean for you? And what do you want it to look like? And then just tell people what your definition is, because otherwise they are just going to tell you what they know, but that's not necessarily right for for you. Okay. So you've been talking and I've been taking notes and before I was circling and like this time I pulled out the highlighter, like now we have highlights. Here is what I highlighted. Um, I highlighted community. And that segues into my next question, because there's this whole thing is that like, when we have a big dream, we can't be taking advice from people who, you know, don't know anything about the dream, or they don't know anything about the industry that you're trying to build a life in. Um, And so you mentioned that you were reaching out to other people you know, in the industry that you wanted to thrive in, you know, to get an idea of, of, you know, what success could look like. So at least you were in that way, you'd be getting advice from, from the source, from people who had, you know, walked a path a little more similar to what you were trying to achieve. So my question is here and now like shifting um, from the voices who were the more negative narrative, um, who was one voice who encouraged you to move forward or helped you form a dance community? Um, who helped you in chasing your, in, in manifesting your dream, which is what you eventually did. Yeah. So uh, lots of, lots of wonderful people, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. I mean, first, my sister always stands out to me. She's my sister, she's two years younger. She's always my biggest supporter in anything that I do. And I think she really believed in, she's not a dancer and she, um, you know, she hates dance actually. (laughs) 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 um, She just really believed in me and was very vocal about that to, to my, to me, to my father, to anyone kind of that would listen, you know, she's, she's a huge cheerleader in that way. So that knowing that I had her support really meant a lot. Um, especially when I moved from San Francisco to New York back in 2016. So I, I really left my life and across the country and it was so that I could pursue dance and 
uh, she was a big supporter then. Um, I mean, I'm really blessed with a wonderful group of specifically female friends like you who also have big dreams and have <laughs> up on their own. And you've been a huge inspiration for me. And I saw your journey, right? Like mm-hmm. over the past few years, I saw you go um, like get your yoga certification, start teaching and everything you were learning about food and nutrition and the way that you were changing your life mm-hmm. was right in front of me and, and so powerful. So I really thank you for that. Thank you. Um, and you've always been someone too that, you know, I felt comfortable talking about my dreams with and saying like, this is what I want to do. And you would, you would cheer me on. Um, you know, even though you didn't know about the dance right. world or weren't a dancer, you understood that. I also was very fortunate to connect with my current dance coach who's been coaching me for, I guess, since I started since like 2013. And I feel like that was a really important relationship for me in that she, you know, had worked with lots of artists and had really seen people go from having no dance experience to become Mm -hmm. world champions and teaching and having professional careers. And so when I told her what I wanted from my dance life, she really supported that and like knew that I could do it. And I think having that was, was really, was really big for me. I think up until that point, I feel like I had told people, this is what I want to do. And they were like, yeah, like that's not really possible or, you know, good luck doing that. And then again, you know, my dance coach, you, I started really reaching out to specifically women who were working for themselves, who sort of their own businesses, Mm -hmm. freelancing. And the more I started to do that, the more, I started to assemble for myself a picture of what this could look like. So again, it went from my, the idea I had around like how your career works in professional life was like, you know, I, I always did well academically in school. I always liked school. I went to college. Then you like get a job and then you work for a company and then maybe you work for another company. And, and that was sort of all <laughs> that I knew. And the more I started speaking with people, it was like, oh, okay, this person, you know, did this. This is how they started their freelance contacts. Um, this is what that work look work looked like. This is someone who's like teaching dance and performing dance. Oh, and also like writing on the side and like, you know, so I think that that is huge. Like you were saying, having a community of people who are doing things that you want to do and willing to share with you and bring you along on that road mm-hmm. is super, super important. And, um, you know, having a marketing background, sometimes I talk about it as in terms of, when you go out into the world and you're a consumer, you see the finished product, right? You go into war and you see the way that everything has been arranged and you get the email and then you um, get the other email and you get the package and everything's perfect and pretty and it all aligned and is like tied with the bow. But what you don't see is what happens behind the scenes, which is hours and hours of teams of people doing research and rewriting copy and fixing the store displays and all of that. And I think that that's very true with anyone who runs their own business or is able to make a career out of doing something that they're passionate about. Um, There's a lot of work that happens on the inside. And once you start to see how that works, it's not magic. It's just a system of trying things, testing what works, moving more in the direction of what feels good, what seems to be working, letting go of the things that aren't. And like, that is what we do in anything in life. Um, Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you started... um segueing the conversation into, you know, things that go on behind the scenes or things that are like a little more internal. Um, you know, so you were just talking about people, you've got like a trifecta there. So that's the external, you have your family member, your sister who encourages you, you have a friend, yours truly, who was cheering you on. Um, and I'm still always cheering you on every day. Um, and then wink, wink, you have a really good coach and, and I'm winking because Brielle and I, we do a lot of coaching and we have coaching businesses. Um, it is really important to have um, a coach who's walks the road ahead of you and, and can, can save you a lot of missteps and save you a lot of lost time and, you know, on your own terms though. So she's got this, all these people, you know, externally, that's great. So now let's start going like behind the scenes internally. Let's go on the journey inward. And um, what is it inherently or intrinsically that you have? What qualities of your character or your personality, you know, would you say are responsible for ultimately achieving success 
as a salsa dancer? So like what was already there inside of you? That's a good question. Um, so I would say that, and I know you talk about this in your work in terms of like intention, manifestation, um, but I feel like one of the things specifically with my salsa career was, and it was very specific from the very beginning, right? Like I was in that club in Guatemala and I was like, I want to be a professional salsa dancer. It wasn't I want to be a professional dancer. It wasn't like I had, although I didn't know the details of what that would look like, it was like, here's the style that I want. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, it was very specific. And I think that whenever you have a bigger dream or goal of some kind, the more specific and the more detailed you can be around what that feels like and looks like to you is, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it, it was this very long journey of six, seven, eight years of pursuing this one thing. And so while it changed and while the details around it changed, I always like kind of knew where I was going. I think that that was really grounding, especially again, as people were kind of saying, more negative things or, um, yeah, I was just like figuring out what it means to be an adult in my mm-hmm. time. I, I could see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Um, I think you also have to be very willing to put in the work yeah. and like saying, you know, you're, you're never good at anything in the very beginning. And I always felt like, okay, I don't want to look back in 10 years and feel like I never tried this. So I am going, you know, for years, I um, was dancing four nights a week, right after work, I was dancing four nights a week. And then every Saturday I'd wake up, I would like make coffee and breakfast in my kitchen. I would go to yoga class and then I would go to the studio and I would be there until 11 o'clock at night. And I would be rehearsing on my own. I'd be rehearsing with a partner. I would be doing drills. I was just loving being in the studio. And then on Sundays I would have my team practice. So again, I think our team practice was like 1230 to four or something like that. Wow. So it's a large amount of hours that I was yeah. in every week for years. Um, and I kind of remember, actually, we went on a road trip after. Yeah. Yeah. After I had competed at like my first big competition. And I, it was the first time in almost a year where I had had a weekend yep. where I was you know, on this, this dance schedule. And I remember being like, Oh, we're going to, go have breakfast and we're gonna go to the beach and we're gonna like go to the movies and I was like this is so novel to me like I haven't done these things that was your that was like your only weekend off in 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 all those years yeah um in a lot of ways yeah um but I will say that when I I won like when I was having this very intensive training schedule I didn't feel like I was ever giving anything up right, right. like and I still like friendships have always been really important to me. I've always had a close group of friends. So I definitely found ways to maintain those friendships and grow them. And I would say my friends were really understanding that this was something I wanted to pursue. And they were always like, go do you. Like, we totally get that. You can't yeah. the picnic today or like, you can't come on this weekend trip with us. Like we are supporting and cheering you on and we will be here for you when. Yeah you don't have to put as many hours as you are in training because that happens too. Like, um, you know, everything that you're pursuing, you go through times that are really intense. And right. where you have to in more free time. So having a growth mindset is super important. Being willing to put in the work, staying very focused. Another thing that I'll say is I think I am a very, I under, I have a good understanding of the way that I learn things. And, um, I really, especially even though dance is movement based and in my body, I definitely have to understand it like in my head, like mm-hmm. intellectually, before I can do it. Like I can't just see something and copy it visually. Uh-huh. So I feel like knowing that about myself and knowing how I learn information helped me learn, especially as an adult, right? Like I knew sort of when I wasn't getting something, I, I knew what I needed to do to understand that concept and apply it, which I think is something, you know, the more you know about yourself, um, but especially if you want to learn something new, the more you know, like, how you really obtain information, retain information, the, the more you can add. Thank you so much. I mean, again, 
this is a conversation where the manifestation is salsa dancing, but let's just have anyone who's listening, they can apply this to whatever it is they're working on right now. Being self-aware, you know, being willing to put in the 10,000 hours, um, trusting in your friendships that, you know, the friends who will stick around long-term are the ones who understand that you might miss Thursday night trivia night because you're, you have this obligation, this responsibility, this promise you've made to yourself. Continuing the journey, this is, this is now funny, um, even more inwardly. So we talked about people, we talked about mindsets, and now let's talk about the question that you get asked the most on Instagram. And I remember like back when you started getting this question, we were chatting and you were like, you were like, why are they asking me this question? Like there's so many other questions about grit and resilience and knowing oneself and staying true to a dream. Why am I getting asked this question? So the question you get asked the most on Instagram is what do you eat? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to make you live through this again. So, or maybe it'll save you some time answering your, your DMs and questions on Instagram. Let's just like say it all here and everybody gets an idea of a champion salsa dancer meal plan. <laughs> Brielle, what are you eating? <laughs> it's so funny. It is true. Okay, so I, I eat oatmeal with some type of fruit, usually banana and um, I try and put like almond butter in there. I try and put chia seeds, uh, flax seed. I just like, I wake up really hungry in the morning and it's really, and I love making, I make a daily cup of coffee. It's like a ritual for me. I do it in a pour over. It's like a very grounding way for me to start the day. But that's what I pretty much eat for breakfast um, every day. And then kind of mid morning, I'll have avocado toast with eggs. Um, I try to always have like a type of vegetable, a type of fat, a type of protein, and some type of fiber in every meal. Uh, so that ends up being a lot of salmon. Um, I well, I'll try and I'll try and eat like salmon or chicken or beef like once a week. Um, and I put I eat a lot of spinach, broccoli, sweet potatoes. I drink a lot of water throughout the day and tired of water like lemon in it or raspberries just, but I don't drink any type of juices or sodas. Um, I also love chocolate. So I probably eat chocolate every day. Um, (laughs) I do too. Preach every freaking day. Yeah. Life's too short. Life's too short. And I think life is too short to deprive yourself of anything. So I, I really think <laughs> anything in moderation is good for you. I, you know, I eat dairy. I eat gluten. I love bread. Um, but I'm also not like overeating anything. So right. I'm very attuned to, okay, like, do I feel full right now? Am I still hungry? And really try to focus on just giving my body like what it needs. And I think the more I listen to it, the more it's like, okay, like, you know, it, my body doesn't want to only eat bread. It does create vegetables as well. And it yeah. chocolate. So giving it everything um, is really, it has worked really well for me. I will say I, I rarely drink. So yep. maybe have a glass of wine like every three months. And it's yeah. like when I'm out with friends, um, but I just don't, love the way alcohol alcohol actually I really feel the effects of it on my body especially when I'm training right it just makes me tired my muscles don't work as much and um I would prefer to eat chocolate then right well I mean you, you raise the good point that alcohol it is a toxin so thank you <laughs> thank you for calling a spade a spade here I know that there's a, this this podcast appeals to um, health coaches and a lot of yoga teachers and yogis. And I feel like, you know, we're always asking like, oh, what's the right diet or what's the magic pill? Like, is it gluten-free? Is it this? Is it that? Um, and you said like, you know, my body also craves vegetables. It's really, it's this journey inward, learning to listen to what the body's asking for. 
So there you have it, people. That's the diet, right? So if you've got your sights set on champion salsa dancer, you got it. Your oatmeal, your almond butter, your healthy fats, your salmon, very little alcohol, lots of fruit and veg. There you go. Yes. All right. So let's, let's transfer now, you know, we've been, so now that we have the dancer's diet, now I want to segue into Brielle, the coach, Brielle, the marketer, Brielle, the, the businesswoman, right? So you, you mentioned the qualities of self-awareness. You mentioned the qualities of being willing to put in the work and, and the growth mindset. Um, how have these qualities translated themselves over into your coaching business? And, and how, did, how did they help provide the segue to, to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so specifically, uh, the coaching work that I do was born out of my own journey, right? Mm-hmm. And like we talked a little bit about, I worked with, uh, I, I've always had, my, I've had my dance coach in my life, right, since like I was 23 or 24. And that was a person who's always been cheering me on and, and teaching me like, you know, physically technique wise, but also like helping me navigate the dance world and navigate that industry. And um, when you are a dancer, or I think when you do anything creative, I always say that, you know, you can't hide on stage. Um, You're the parts of yourself that you are most ashamed of. Like they are so present when you perform, (laughs) Uh, you know, and you can see them, you can, you can see them in your own videos. You can see them when you watch other people. Um, there are performances like I can't watch of myself to this day because it's just, I was really wrestling with something very internally at that moment. Right. I see it on stage. It's like, oh, it makes me yep. cringe. Um, so in order to advance artistically and performance-wise, I also had to do a lot of that deep internal work yep. that I didn't even know I was doing, right? It was just sort of like in pursuit of this dance career. And it was only years later when I did even more of this internal work. And I did work with a leadership coach. I worked with a life coach um, for about nine months. And that really changed my life. And seeing that impact along with everything that I'd done for my dance journey and then again, like immersing myself more in specifically female communities where people were really uplifting each other. And they, it was like this huge sense of support that I realized, I wish I had had that when I was 22. I wish I had had that when I was 23. I really wish that I had had that when I was 18. Um, but I didn't. And so I wanted to be able to share these things that I've learned with other people. And the, and I will say as well, um, because of my marketing experience and because I, I was involved in entrepreneurship in college, I ended up writing a business plan that uh, we won the Brown University's business plan competition, got some seed, uh, seed funding. I then joined this travel company that was in a startup phase and I got to be one of the first people on the ground. And so I took this marketing department from zero to, you know, growing it to like $36 million in in annual revenue and being part of that experience, I had learned all of the stuff around how to run a business. Um, I had learned how to market yourself, how to market a company, how to create offers, you know, all of that. And I, the more I got involved in creative communities and saw like people who wanted to transition into freelance work of some kind, the more I realized that, that specific part of my background as well could be really helpful. And so a lot of the work that I do now fuses the two of them, right? It's, it's a lot of it is storytelling, learning how to tell your story in a way that really resonates with an audience. And that combines both my corporate marketing work and what I know about content and content strategy, along with how I've learned to do that for myself. And so they sort of merge in this beautiful way that I didn't even know was possible until I started doing them. So then the next question is this. So the, the merging is beginning to happen. Um, so how did you know when it was time for you to put on the big girl pants and just be like, you know what? I can stand in my power here and I can earn a living on my own terms. Um, and, and, 
you worked for a really wonderful company. So was there an aha moment, you know, when you were still in your old role that you just knew it was time to move on? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. (laughs) It's the million dollar question. For you, the $36 million question, because you took them from zero to 36. So not zero, but from 10 to 36. Okay. The $36 million question. Yeah. So one thing that I like to say now when I answer this question is for a long time, when I, when I knew I wanted to make a transition of some kind, I was really looking for this magic number, right? A specific, I was very focused on, I live in New York. I was very focused on how much money in my bank account do I have to have before I feel comfortable leaping into something unknown? Right. You know, what I learned is like, there really isn't a magic number. It's all about finding what's right for you and what you feel comfortable with. And you definitely, for me, like I definitely had to run a bunch of numbers and say, okay, like, you know, here's my runway for three months, six months. Like, you know, I, um, I would say like before I decided to, that I wanted to make a transition and leave my corporate job, I had like some idea what I was spending every month, but I never reacted that closely. And I definitely started looking at all my expenses and being like, okay, like maybe I'll cut that out for now. Or like, you know, all, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what you're comfortable with. I will say for me outside of that, there was a very distinct moment where I was talking to my manager at the time and then also uh, the CEO of our company and they offered me a really incredible promotion and not just a promotion, but a really right. incredible um, professional opportunity. And, you know, we were on the phone. I was actually, I was standing outside my apartment and I just remember thinking, wow, this is such an incredible opportunity. This feels like once in a lifetime type of right. investment that this company is willing to make in me. They really trust me. They value me. And I don't want this. <laughs> like, yeah. Like no yep. part of me was excited about saying yep. yes to it. And it was just so clear to me in that moment that it was time for me to leave. And I didn't know, and I say this to people, they're like, oh, well, you know, did you have some clients? Were you teaching dance? No, like I, <laughs> I really thought at that time I was going to take like three months, quote unquote, off and then find another corporate position that was more creative or more aligned with the brand branding work that I do. And so I didn't, I didn't have any of that lined up. I had savings put away mm-hmm. and I just sort of got to this point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know what's right, but this is definitely not right. And I trust myself enough to know that I will figure it out. And like, you know, I don't have kids. I'm not married. So I, it was just me. I was living in an apartment where like my rent was pretty reasonable, especially for New York. Um, you know, it was kind of like worst case scenario. I can move home to my dad's house for a few months and like <laughs> figure it out. But um, again, I, at that point I had, was surrounded again by enough people who'd work for themselves for, a number of years and kind of had seen how opportunities start to come in when you open doors. And I, and that was really true. You know, as soon as I left my job, I debuted with my professional dance partner. We won this competition. Um, I started getting asked to teach at different events in New York. I got a couple of offers from studios. Um, someone a few months later, like reached out to me and was like, Hey, would you like to take on some freelance marketing work? I, I was very open about my transition. I was blogging at the time. I was pretty active on social media. Yep. I was definitely sharing my journey. And the more open I was, the more I feel like people started being like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And not everything I said yes to in that first year was the right thing. Right. For sure. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot around like what type of work I wanted to do, what type of work I was best at doing. Um I learned how to work with clients. I learned like who was an ideal client for me and who wasn't an ideal client for me. Um, But I think that at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You can only try things, see what works, keep track of what works, and then kind of commit to doing more of what works and let the other things go. And I feel like for me, that's what's really helped me move forward. You'll notice that this was the only part of our conversation where I wasn't taking notes. Because like I'm having a visceral reaction here. Uh, my heart rate has gone up. My armpits are sweating. 
my palms are sweating. And the reason I'm not taking notes is I think it's also a reason why so many people listen to this podcast. Like that was the climax of the story. That was the climax of my own personal story. Like you and I both left really good situations. It's like, it's very easy. Like there, there are women out there who have abusive work situations or they have you know, really crappy relationships with their coworkers. So you were just bringing back flashbacks of like, it's like that FOMO. It's like, I know in my heart that it's time for me to move on, but like, I'm leaving something that's so good that other people would be so grateful to have. Um, And it's really hard to walk away from that. Yeah. Thank you so much for articulating that. Like, like, so I'm already, like, I have like tears in the back of my eyes now, whereas like, thank you for articulating that, you know, so clearly, you know, in a way that we could all understand. Um, I remember that phone call. Um, you called me and you said something like, oh yeah, I'm going to take three months off. And we were both so scared and so excited because we were basically going through the same thing at exactly the same time. I think we were both off each other by like a couple months. And like what you said, it's not like we were leaving bad situations. Like I had a great right. job, right? Like I had a yeah. manager. I was making a good salary. I loved my coworkers. I was good at what I did, but there was something deeper inside of me that wanted more. And I also think a narrative that we're told a lot in life is like, we're ungrateful or greedy or selfish. Oh man. Right. And um, that was a really hard thing for me to let go of. Like I had to do a lot of personal work too. Um, you know, nine months of coaching plus like, you know, I still do that work every day to let go of that. Like it's okay to want more. It doesn't mean that I'm not grateful for everything that I have. Um, they're not mutually exclusive. And I, I do feel like women are often, you know, in this position where you should want more, but don't want too much, you know, like that's not enough, but like, that's too much. Like, Oh, like be confident, but don't be like overly confident. And, um, I think that's something that we're all navigating to as well. Oh my goodness. All right. Brielle, pull out your calendar. I'm going to send you a calendar invite. We're going to have to schedule, you know, a tune and a line podcast part two. Uh, Cause now you and I we're warmed up now. Like I've got my sweat going. The heart rate is up. We're getting to the good stuff, you know, like a woman wanting more the role that gratitude plays, you know, for me, like coming from an immigrant family and like the role that that has played emotionally and psychologically in the choices that I've made around gratitude and chasing dreams and, and, you know, those, those sorts of things. After, after our call here, I'm going to have some salmon. I've got some leftover salmon, (laughs) like you've got me hungry. And then we're going to schedule part two about guilt and gratitude and all that. So working for yourself now, and and this might be helpful to, um, the women who are listening. Um, what problem do your clients all have in common? You know, like what is the same? And everyone says it differently, but like really once you stop and listen, like what is really the issue that people are coming to you for? Yeah. Um, everyone feels stuck in some way, I would say. So whether you're stuck in your professional life, whether you're stuck with your business, a lot of my clients like want to make a change and they're just not sure how to start. So that's a lot of the work that we do together. Um, I do work with a lot of people who are creative and not necessarily dancers, or I actually don't really work with a lot of dancers, um, but they have creative passions in some way, or they want to do something on their own. And they've really been thinking about this idea for a while, but it's been very kind of like pushed to the side under the covers. Yep. And there's just a lot of fear there. There's a lot of fear of failing. There's a lot of fear of, well, you know, maybe this is too late for me to do. Maybe there's not enough work out there for me to have my own company um, or for me to, you know, make money from this thing. What if no one will pay for this? So a lot of the work we do together is uh, very actionable and very much like, okay, like how do we get your, how do we tell your story? How do we get it out there? You know, how do we actually work through that fear? Because the thing is, the more you 
the more you reach out to people and, and tell someone like, hey, I'm freelancing now. Like, this is what I, the type of work that I do and the type of work, the client that I work with, the less scary that becomes, right? You're able to yeah. move through your fear. So a lot of the work I do is very actionable. I think that's important. And then we really go into, okay, what, what is, what is behind this fear you have around like putting your idea out into the world or putting yourself out into the world, right? Like we have so much fear about that. Um, so sometimes I'll bring in, you know, the, some of the dance stuff that I've learned too, like has really helped me get in touch with my body. And I find that my body often knows the right choice or like has information for me that my head hasn't learned yet. Mm-hmm. And doing like really connecting to myself can, can help there. And that's sometimes something that I'll share with my clients. Um, and I'll, I'll interrupt you there. Um, remember the workshop series we did, um, last, last autumn, um, you know, I've had, um, my girls and I have had the privilege of actually participating in that with you. Right. So like saying the, the fear out loud, like examining why we're afraid to put our ideas out into the world. But then the part that is, is always so often missing is that the embodiment part. And then, you know, I can't dance. Oh, God help me. You know, I, I, I really need to take you up on that offer for like a formal dance lesson. But the way that you guided us so intuitively through that movement session was that that was quite a treat. So got to see you in action there. So, no, it wasn't it wasn't this, you know, holding the sign at the airport, but it was a different manifestation of of your big heart. That was that was a treat. That was a really special experience for me, too. And I really, I love the workshop series that you did. And it was such an honor to be part of it. Thank you for flying out. I know that was a big ask. I'm like, hey, if you could just go ahead and fly from New York to San Francisco, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. You're, yeah, no, you're welcome. Um, I mean, it was such a wonderful experience to share specifically with women you've been working with too in that environment, right? Because that was what, the third or fourth? That was the fourth. So that was the the fourth the fourth chakra. Yeah. What was the title of our workshop? Was it was it follow your heart? Follow your heart. Yes. And yeah, I think any type of I mean yoga. I'm sure like I I I'm sure you experience this with yoga, but when you're able to tap into your body and like move more intuitively, it just all of this information comes up for you. Um, and the other thing I say too, actually, just with like getting in touch with your body is. I feel like now I'm much more attuned to what's going on in my body when I'm in new circumstances. So mm. I am talking, you know, I, I always do like a discovery call with a client before we decide to work together. Right. Um, like I said, in the beginning, I had no idea who was my ideal client. And now in that phone call, I know whether this is a good fit or not. Yep. And it, it's not something that I can say to you even now, like, oh, these are the things that make an ideal client for me. Like, like I can, yes. Um, I can write those out. But also that phone call is so important because there's this moment where I just know sort of in my gut, in my body, whether this is right or not. Same. And I, I think that especially as women, you know, our bodies are so important. Um I always say to people, like, when you're on a date, when you're on a first date, like, how do you feel in your body? Yeah. Do you feel comfortable? Are you making yourself smaller? Right. You know, there's a difference between, like, excited butterflies and, like, feeling, like, just uncomfortable in the situation. If you're feeling uncomfortable, there is something this other person is doing and, like, the energy they're putting out into the world is not aligning with yours. Um, and your energy is not aligning with them. And being really aware of that and then having the courage to be like, you know what? This is not right for me. I'm going to walk away. I think that is super important. And um, again, I could think of so many times in my earlier life where I knew it wasn't right. And I did it anyway. <laughs> always blew up in my face. And it was always so much more challenging to remove myself from a bad situation. And when I really would look back and rush back, I'd be like, yeah, I, I knew that wasn't the right person to hire. I knew that wasn't the right job for me. I knew that wasn't the right person for me to date. And so just being that, that's another thing that like comes up in my work with clients, right? Even though, again, a lot of it is about what is your next step professionally? What do you want your career to look like? Um, or around building your business, 
everything in life is connected. And so we often go into one area in order to circle back into, into the, the, the thing at hand that we're working on. This is a really opportune place to begin winding down our conversation because it doesn't matter what the heck we're talking about. It doesn't matter if we're talking about salsa dancing. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a coaching business. It all comes back to this idea of aligning to the wisdom within, to the intuition. And if only we would just ask ourselves this very basic question, but we almost never do. Maybe we did as kids, but less so as adults. The question is, does this feel good? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the question to ask every, with everything. A lot of times women will start working with me where they're like, I just feel really stuck and uninspired by everything. And so in the beginning, our work is very much to do what I call like peeling back the clouds. Cause like you're, you are the sun, right? And, and the sun is always there, but on a cloudy day, we can't see it because it's, it's covered yeah. by these clouds. So, um, you know, I think of myself at like 16 year old Brielle was super sure of who she was and what she liked and what she was passionate about. And it was only when sort of yeah. like these late teens, early 20 years. And then really when I went out into the corporate world where I feel like all this other stuff got put on me and I, I yeah. lost myself and I was like, I don't know what I want or who I am. And so when I think again, like, you know, generally we do know who we are when we're younger and getting back to that can be, can be really helpful. So thank you, Brielle, for participating in in what secretly is a podcast dedicated to yoga philosophy. That's that's what every episode secretly is going to be. You know, I might bring in a fashion designer. I might bring in a salsa dancer. I might bring in another business owner. But it's really like, you know, we know who we are in the beginning. We identify with our true self. But then what happens is as we get older, you know, then we begin identifying with the external and then that's, you know, where the problems start. And then now people are coming to you saying, hey, I'm stuck. So I love the metaphor you used of like parting the clouds Um, and you are the sun. Yes, you are. I'm looking right at you. You're the sun. Um, What's next? What's the easiest way for people to connect with you? How can they find you? What's the best best way for them to follow along on this incredible journey? Yes. Um, so the best way is probably to add yourself to my email newsletter. I write almost every week and I respond to each and every message I get. You do. Um, <laughs> um, you can also add me on Instagram. It's at Brielle Friedman. Um, and I'm pretty active on there as well. Uh, my website is briellefriedman.com. Can shoot me an email, hello at brielfriedman.com. And um, right now I am working on a couple of things. So I have been giving my Lead With Your Heart workshop, um, and I'm planning on giving that a few times this summer, again, to different groups and communities, which I'm really excited about. It's always really wonderful for me to share that, those teachings and, and feel the energy with everyone. And um, I've been doing a lot of work with clients one-on-one in the past few months. I'm actually going to open up another group program. Um, In the fall, I run my Be Your Own Boss program, which is really about how to take an idea that you have and bring it to life. So again, um, if you feel like you are passionate about something and you're just wondering how to get started, that's what we covered there. And then I'm also going to be creating a new program um, that I'm running this summer, which is all about bringing women together and um, doing some of this deeper internal work to Mm -hmm. figure out what is the right next step for you um, to reconnect with what your heart desires and to do so in a group that is really uh, cheering you on. And so that you can feel that support and community. It's so important that we were, we were talking about. I can't wait to see the, the copy for the new program. All right. It's time. I'm really, really excited for this part. Okay. It's, it's my podcast, so I get to do whatever I want. And I want to do rapid fire questions at the end. <laughs> so give me one word answers or a phrase. Number one, what's your sign and do you relate to and identify with it? 
Yes, I'm an Aries. Um, Aries are independent, natural leaders, fiery. They're either like all in or all out. Yep. Um, it can be challenging for them to let go of control. All things that I yeah. <laughs> I already knew what your answer number one was going to be. Okay, number two. I'm most grateful for? The people in my life. Aww. Number three, what are you currently reading? Becoming by Michelle Obama. And mm-hmm. um, I also just started Normal People. All right. Keep me posted. Number four. I know this already. What's your favorite food? Freshly baked bread. Number five. What's your favorite season? Fall. Well, fall and summer. I like both for different reasons. Okay. Okay. I'll allow that. <laughs> um, for, any, for any future people who come on the podcast, you're supposed to say summer. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Number six. Once we're allowed... Where does your heart want to travel next? Oh, I really want to go back to Italy. Just that's mine too. Yeah, it's just so beautiful, such good food. Um, yeah, I was there a couple of years ago and I just have oh, I'm dying to go back. So, me too. Shane and I did our honeymoon there. We're yeah, dying exactly, to go back. Exactly, yeah, exactly. loved it, loved it. Number seven, people think I am blank, but I'm actually blank. Fill in the blanks. I think people think I'm extroverted because a lot of my time is spent with other people and like the story yeah. told about getting off at the, at the airport. Like that's my personality. I get super excited. I have a lot of time. <laughs> I'm actually pretty introverted and I really mm-hmm. need and value like quiet, reflective time to myself to recharge. I know. I know you do. Number eight, your perfect day. Waking up without an alarm. Yeah. Eating coffee in bed. Uh, it's like a super sunny day. I love the sun. So that has to be involved. Me too. Um, it has to be sunny. If, if it ends up being cloudy that day, we'll have to pick another day for the perfect yeah, exactly. day. I, I'm the same way. Um, exactly. So just like having a really quiet, like relaxing morning where I can drink coffee and listen to music and journal and read. And then um, some type of movement. So whether I'm like dancing or taking really great yoga class, just like moving my body, being outside, and then um, getting together with friends. Like I think of, you know, a, a delicious dinner with like all of the people in my mm-hmm. life so much and just like great conversation and um, enjoying being all together. Sign me up. Let me know what day that's happening. <laughs> but you know, I don't drink coffee, so I'll, I'll show up with my buckets of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Number nine. Success is. I think success means being able to make decisions without fear, right? Like when you're choosing from a place of um, like strength and trusting yourself and really not just living in the present moment, but like knowing that the future is going to be okay, even though you don't know what the future is. Yep. Yep. That, that belief, making decisions from the belief that everything ahead of us is better than everything behind us. Mm-hmm. Last one, number 10, a mantra, a saying, a quote, or something you tell yourself to keep chasing down your dreams. Yeah. So the biggest thing I say is like, just keep going. You know, I, I do think of, you know, if you've ever seen Finding Nemo where- uh, Yes. I don't remember the characters. Keep swimming. Keep swimming. <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> Dory? Yeah. yeah. Well, something like that. Really, I think so important. You know, you just have to keep going. You have to take one step in front of the other, one step in front of the other. Um, and the other thing I come back to a lot is like what you believe becomes your reality. So again, you know, we've talked so much about doing this internal work during this podcast, but that's so important. You know, like if you don't really believe that you can do it, it's never going to happen for you, regardless of whether externally you're taking all the right steps. So, yeah. One foot in front of the other, right? Yeah. Brielle, I can't thank you enough for the um, precious gift of your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for greeting me at the airport in the Dominican Republic eight years ago. Um, thank you for, for showing up for your friends and family and clients in the same way. Um, thank you for shining your light and parting the clouds for us. Thank you 
and you'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. Like we're, oh, I'm looking at you now. I'm like, we're just getting warmed up. Like I'm finally starting to feel good. All right. So thank you listeners. This has been a tune and align podcast. Thank you for taking the time to tune into our conversations. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to tune into the power of your own dream. We'd love to hear your questions and engage with you over on socials. Don't worry. I'm going to post all of Brielle's stuff, her her dance pictures, her, her boss lady pictures, her website, her newsletter, everything. Don't worry about it. It'll be there. Um, go over to Attune and Align. Post your questions for Brielle and for our community in our feed. Please tag us at Attune and Align whenever you're taking action to attune to your heart and align your life. Like uh, we want to be there to cheer you on. Use our hashtag attune and align. We can't wait to see what your heart will ask you to do next. My name is Marissa Lavalette from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for taking this time to get clear on the things you want to manifest in the life of your dreams. A woman living a life that aligns with her soul creates a powerful ripple effect in her relationships and in her communities. When you live your best life and share your unique gifts, you give permission for others to begin to do the same. Now go shine your freaking light and namaste. Namaste.